0: This is the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, Episode 37. Welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast,
1: your source for the very best tools, tips and ideas used by real estate's top performers. Now here's your host, Ray Wood.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. There's really only one name when it comes to innovation and leadership in the Australian real estate industry. Even before the dawn of the digital era, John McGrath was a thought leader and sought after real estate industry opinion. And when the new digital economy started to gather momentum in the mid-1990s, John had the vision, courage, and appetite for risk to invest heavily in the exciting new technology that now has a daily influence in our lives and our livelihood. It was back in the 90s when I first met John. We made the trip to Sydney to discover all we could about the way his real estate business was gaining rapid market share by offering exceptional customer service and creating a totally new client experience in an industry crying out for change. In fact, I believe John is almost single-handedly responsible for the way our real estate industry looks today and why agents from around the world study our ideas and marketing breakthroughs. His entrepreneurial journey has inspired a generation of agents who understand how to leverage the opportunities available to us in this new and exciting digital economy listen for where he thinks we're heading and the three most important things agents should focus on to build their personal brand and listen for his advice for new agents and what every agent can do to add value and enhance the customer experience before this interview i invited questions from my subscribers and was killed in the rush with almost 100 emails. As you'll hear in this episode with John, Mother Nature worked against us, and the blizzard that raged and ultimately took out my internet connection during our call meant I was unable to ask John as many questions as I would have liked. So if I didn't get to your question, I'll apologise in advance. Special thanks to my lead sponsor and supporter, Locked On, and be sure to head over to the resources department at topagentsplaybook.com to get your free trial and discount for life promo code. Okay, let's do it. Well, hi, John McGrath, and welcome to Top Agents Playbook. How are you doing?
1: Good day, Ray. Really well, thank you.
0: Um, I was uh, I was thinking today, John, um, just back uh, in the early 90s, my brother David and I came up to say, uh, say hello and uh, to to you at your office uh, in Wallara, I think, um, and uh, I was uh, we took so much away from that little bit of time that, that we had together. You were very giving with your time. We got a lot of great ideas, and uh, early 90s was a pretty tough time in real estate, and it, and it forged a fair bit of our success, I think, and, and we just took so much away, and I thought uh, with this interview, it would be great to share these ideas more than 20 years later, As to that that kind of experience, I guess. So yeah, it was a very interesting time for us.
1: It's an interesting point, Ray, because you you know there are some markets in Australia right now, as you would know well, that are probably rightly or wrongly perceiving they're going to be tight over the next year or two. And Sydney and Melbourne have been through a really strong period, and now I think you know whether it's softening or tightening up, whatever, that's going to probably change, but. We've always been the viewers I know you are that you in a sense you create your own market. It's how you deal with it and indeed most great businesses that I'm aware of, including yours and ours, um, I think were forged off the back on having to be better and smarter to keep growing their business through different times. And, you know, we grew twenty percent year on year through the GFC and I think, as I reflect, the GFC for us anyway was was the best thing that could happen to us because it made us get better at what we did and sharpen up the business so yeah uh, you know, I think whatever your market you 're in right now or heading into it 's a matter of what are you going to make out of it
0: yeah, I think that 's great advice and it 's certainly something in real estate that everybody in real estate needs to needs to consider consider because it, uh, we make our own luck and it it begins and ends with us mm. um, i 've got a number of questions that that I was keen to ask and uh, I hope yep. you also don't mind, but I took the the liberty uh, just before Christmas of reaching out to our subscribers to Top Agents Playbook to see if they had any questions for you as well. So it kind of opened the floodgates. I got a heap of questions. So if you're listening to this, Good. I, I'm an open book. I'm okay. happy to answer anything. All right. Well, thank you. If you're listening to this and I don't ask your question, it's only because there was a bit of double <laughs> up. But uh, let me let me publicly say uh, a big thanks to everybody for sending in your questions. Can we start, John, firstly, just a bit of background? How did you get into real estate?
1: Um, look, bottom line, Ray, I was a very good sports person in my teens, and that was the path that I was due to follow as a rugby league player right. and a representative one, and that was sort of a sensible career because I didn't do as well at school as many of my peers, so it was sort of felt like it was a good direction. Um, I had an injury that stopped my sporting career dead in its tracks, And so I had to rethink what was I going to do. So I thought, well, I want to do something that's important and useful um, that I can do for the next 50 years. And it's going to have me outdoors doing stuff with people as opposed to behind a desk because that really wasn't my, uh, my thing. And I went to a careers advisory center and real estate popped up. And the more I thought about it, I thought I'd be interested at it. Uh, interested in it and, and hopefully good at it. Yeah. And uh, so I just took that path. I've done it ever since.
0: Yeah, Interesting. How old were you then? How old were you when you started? 18. Okay. 18. Well, that injury kind of did you a favour, maybe.
1: Well, it, yeah, you know, the old cliche, and unfortunately is a cliche because a lot of people don't give it the weight it needs, but it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with it. And that was just a, one of thousands of examples in, in all our lives that yeah, you know, at the time it felt like a momentary tragedy because it was my dream.
0: Yeah.
1: But all of a sudden, as I look back on it, and I think, well, what a what a gift to have helped me alter my career.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I did an interview uh, earlier on in 2015 with a guy called Andy Cant from um, from Auckland. I think Andy is a uh, or was a, um, a fighter pilot with uh, the New Zealand Air Force and. Uh, he um, he was pursuing his dream, and he went to the doctor one day. Found out he had diabetes and couldn't fly anymore. And got into real estate, and he's just yeah. been been smashing it ever since. Which is uh, a similar story. Um, congrats on the recent listing of of McGraw on the ASX. I wanted to say first up. Um, Thank you. W- what will this Thank allow? You. what What will this allow your company to do that it couldn't do before?
1: Look, I, I'm not sure it's huge things that it couldn't do before. I think it will. Escalate the pace at which we can do things. Um, you know, I, I think when you become a publicly listed company, it, it gives you access to capital to grow the business more quickly. Um, it gives you access to a larger shareholder base that can also help you, your business growing. Of course, it's all about customers and clients and people connections. Um, and uh, I think also in terms of you know our growth aspirations, we think that the vast majority will be organic growth, which we love and which we've been doing since we started. But we think the potential to make you know a select acquisition um, or two uh, over the next four or five years that could help us consolidate parts of the industry that perhaps we're not in or um, uh, the other areas of the industry we'd like to get into. So we think that that can probably best happen in in a public vehicle. I think there's pluses and minuses, um, Ray, as we all know to everything, and and being in a public company is no difference. You know, it's, it incredibly opens up to the world and your results each year. People know exactly what you've bought and sold and so forth. But uh, I, I, for us, the the positives far outweighed the negatives when we were deciding what the next path for us was going to be.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's in, it's interesting because. Um, you're somewhat of a pioneer in, in that area. But do you think you'll see other we'll see other major real estate groups follow your example and, and list?
1: Oh, look, I think so. Around the world, that's happened quite a bit. If you look at the, the US, the UK, Canada, um, there's been a lot of listed residential real estate companies and many of them have been highly successful. Um, I, I think that the time has come in Australia for some degree of consolidation. Um, and I think, you know... To be, to be fair, to, I think some degree of increasing uh, or raising the bar, Ray, if you will, on the industry and what it's doing and where it's investing its money to improve technology and service, I, I still think to a large degree. I've got two thoughts. One is I think Australia does real estate at the top end in terms of the best agents in Australia, mm-hmm. do it very, very well. to yep, totally yeah, t- t- two is, I think there's still too long a tail that there is still too many real estate companies that haven't embraced technology, that are not upskilling their team, that haven't got standards that I think consumers demand nowadays. So I think there's kind of there's going to be a divergence. I think the best agents that are really on their game and doing it well are going to grow their piece of market share, and I think the agents that are kind of left behind and are not embracing new new ways of doing things. Um, are, are at risk of you know, being eliminated
0: out of the industry. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we're going to see that, that gap widen up. I'm um, uh, a big fan of your books and, and, and your writing and your thoughts. I mean, you're a thought leader yeah. in, in our industry. And I know you've always been a big advocate for promoting your personal brand. So firstly, how would you define your personal brand? And I just want to put it out there. So, uh, I mean, I know what you mean, but I'd love you to just talk about it. And what is the best way agents can promote their brand and and build awareness?
1: Two great questions, Ray. I think first thing is, you know, in fact, I was was at our Newtown office this morning doing a sales meeting before this, this podcast. And, I said to them, you know, your personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room as kind of a, a, a distinction yeah. as to what people say, you know, when you are in the room. And so wh- what do you want people to say about you? I assume you'd want them to say he or she is energetic, they're professional, great attention to detail, they made everything so simple, they explained everything, there was total integrity and transparency. You know, if I was catching someone, I'd say write a list of what you would want them to say then have a reality check on I wonder whether they actually say that. And I think in most instances, they probably don't say all of the things you'd hope they did say. Uh, and in a few rare examples, they probably tick every box because you know there are some people that have incredibly high standards in every area of their sales life, and they live them 24-7, 365. So um, that's what I think your personal brand is. How do you how do you build it? Well, as I just finished that definition with, is you've got to live it 24-7. Um, you've got to walk your talk you've got to be creating raving fans, both people you deal with, so buyers, sellers, customers, landlords, tenants, and people you don't deal with. So that could be, you know, the the waiter or waitress at your local cafe. It could be the person that, you know, you pay your money to when you fill your your, your tank with fuel. Whatever it is, treat everyone well. um, With customers, buyers, sellers, tenants, landlords, treat them exceptionally in terms of the professional service they get. If you do that, I mean... I said to my team this morning, you know, sometimes I talk to people about what's your prospecting plan and they say, oh, I do a 1,000 uh, letterbox drops every month. I say, that's not a prospecting plan because every other agent does it or can do it. Prospecting plan is how do you connect with people? How do you make a difference? How do you leave an impression? Um, how do you add value? And if you're thinking of those things all the time, now how can I add value? Someone's thinking of buying or selling, can I give them some information? Can I give them a checklist? Can I give them uh, her first home buyer kit? Can I introduce them to someone that can help them on that that journey? What, in, what am I doing that can add value? Because people want value. Uh, and turning up as an agent, opening it door, giving them a brochure and telling them you'll see them at the auction, to me that's not value. That's the mechanics of what you need to do. The value is, you know, how can I help this person on their journey? How can I understand what it is that concerns them, what's keeping them up at night, and how can I make it easy for them?
0: Yeah. yeah, It's not too hard to stand out when you try a little harder and, and think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. When you're so on that theme, John, when you're hiring somebody in a real estate office, say, um, uh, I'm not so sure you're doing that anymore in your role. But when you were, what do you look for? What are you looking for in a in a in a potential salesperson?
1: Yeah, it's funny, Ray. I still get very involved with a lot of the recruiting, um, okay. You know, not just on management level, but but also agent level as much as I can. Um, I, I never really look too much at resumes, backgrounds, CVs, track records. I, I, I kind of usually have an idea of what they're doing and how they're doing it. But what I say is, would I list my property with this person? I'm saying that to myself mentally because as you know, Ray, better than anyone, this is all about... This game is predominantly about listing. You can be... A really great person, highly organized, great at selling, but if you haven't got the listings, you're going to wither on the vine. Uh-huh. So the key is, you know, can this person So firstly is I, I get a gut check for alignment around values. Is this a good person? Do I like the feel of them? Are they honest? Are they transparent? Is there any baggage that I'm picking up? And you know, normally, because my team have filtered the wrong people out by the stage I'm generally meeting them, normally it's a good gut, gut check. So then I'm thinking to myself, if this person walked in, would I be very confident and comfortable listing my property with them um, you know do I find them engaging are they articulate um, are they focused um, are they interesting um, how would they compare with their competitors and that' for me is the real key thing and, and if it's not around sales, you can still apply that to whatever whether it's property management or new business or even admin
0: we lost our connection there with John, but we were we were finishing off on that point about uh, hiring salespeople. So uh, I think um, a, a lot of people listening to this, John, uh, uh, are unsure. Actually, uh, um, uh, when I talk about people, a lot of real estate business owners are unsure actually what to look for. And um, the point I was going to make before we got disconnected was was that that gut oh. connection is is so important. You know, do they fit the family photo? I guess is is something that comes to mind.
1: Well, Ray, if you if you buy into the principle, which I certainly do and I know you do, that culture is critical in a real estate organisation, that means everyone that comes on board must uh, at least align with the culture and hopefully actually add value and take it to a new level. So it's so important. If you believe in transparency and integrity, and, and and hopefully every listener of yours, which I'm sure they do, you've got to make sure that everyone that joins your family or team has a commitment to integrity and transparency. Yeah. Otherwise, over time and as the as the team grows, um, you will dilute um, the business. So it's really important that values alignment.
0: Yeah. Okay. Totally agree. Um, I'll ask this next question. I'm I'm not sure whether you'd have an an opinion on it or not, but as a Melbournian, it's something that's that's always fascinated me. Why do you think it's mm-hmm. been so difficult for the major real estate brands in Australia to, to break into the Melbourne market?
1: Uh, I think, yeah, for me, it's fairly clear. I mean, Melbourne is, is I think, close to the best market in the world in terms of mm-hmm. it has some of the best real estate operators anywhere in the world, not just Australia in the world. Yeah. So for a start, I think step one is that the standard is is exceptionally high. Um, step two is I think Melbourne has a long history of connections and relationships um, to a higher degree than probably anywhere else in Australia. Where I, I think, you know, Melbourneites are very proud of their heritage and their connections and and, uh, and and that's that's probably more important I think than anywhere else in Australia. It's probably a bit like you know, New York and London, some of the big international cities have got that real sort of pride in their heritage. And I think that uh, therefore, if you come from the outside and you don't connect with the right people inside the tent or inside Melbourne as a as a marketplace, yeah. I think it's going to be difficult. And I think the other the, the final thing is uh, the way Melbourne. Agents do it and the way their customers expect it. It's very upscale, it's very boutique, it's very high quality. Even in the regionals, it's not just, you know, the eastern suburbs of Melbourne but I think, uh, and I'm not sure that some of the, the agents that have tried to crack into the Melbourne market have been probably the right brands or the right style. Yep. So, you know, as, as, you, as you may know, we're in the process of, of sort of opening our first offices in Melbourne, which yep. we're very excited about. Yes. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, we, we've we kind of learnt from, from others as to perhaps how they went about it and the results they got. Um. And I think it's, you know, it's very important, again, to target the right people and, and it's all about values alignment. So I think when people are checking us out as a brand and when we're checking out new partnerships uh, or franchisees, um, it's, it's the same thing, values alignment. Do we think that we're on the same page? Do we believe in the same things? Uh, and I think that's really important in growing a group wherever you are, but especially into a key market like Melbourne, is to get that right
0: yeah well um, well good luck with your venture down there i I, I did hear about that, and uh, I think it 's terribly exciting that that you 're taking your brand south and uh, i 'm sure you 'll do uh, very very well um, my my, fu- my, Thank final, you. my final question before we get into into listener questions John um, I guess so much has changed in the world just even over the last ten years the The change has been frightening um, I like to say we, we live in a world that our parents could could never have imagined. Where, where do you think yeah. real estate is going and, and what can agents do to capitalise on this exciting new economy?
1: Well, I think it is exciting um, and uh, the change is going to keep coming. That's that's not something that we have a choice around. I think that yeah, some of the obvious ones, and, and they'll, they'll sound obvious, but the question is what are you doing about them? I think talent, recruitment, attraction and retention is absolutely key. Um so you know, you've got to ask yourself, are you winning the war for talent? The, the best people in the business that are either in it or coming into the industry, are they finding your business, your office, your brand, your group attractive? So that's really key. Second one is is obviously digital. Um, so you know we've seen Domain and realestate.com and some of the great giants of digital, and, and they've been incredibly successful. Um, and Australia is a market as, as high up as anyone else in the world where digital marketing and the ability to do that incredibly well is going to be vital. So uh, I think that's important. The third one, which probably isn't on a lot of the uh, radars of the agencies yet, and I think it needs to be, Ray, is data. Uh, I think that some of the biggest companies in the world now are companies you've never heard of that are focused on data and data mining and working out trends. And so I'll give you an example in our industry, as you know, five, six, seven percent of the community generally buys and sells each year. Yeah. And if I could say to you, you know, what if I could identify that six percent with a high level of certainty and you could just put your prospecting, connecting and relationship activities, you could focus it on those people, would that be a value? And of course everyone is well, I'd love that. Well yeah. with data, because generally what happens when you're considering a sale or when you go to market, you've just had a baby, you've just um, got divorced, you've just got married, you've you've got a job transfer, there's a whole range of activities and Data can nowadays, through the incredible you know, use of technology and, and, and different databases, mashed up. Data can now predict those sort of things with high levels of certainty. Um, giving a quick example, you know, a young couple living in a uh, one-bedroom unit in the inner suburbs of Melbourne, all of a sudden go to the supermarkets, start buying nappies or diapers for the first time. Yeah. There's a signal there that says, well, you know, they've had a child, and therefore a one-bedroom unit in the next 12 months is no longer going to suit their purpose in most instances. So if you had access to that sort of data by tracking trends and people's life cycle. So that sounds for some people probably like space age, but it's not. So I think what I'd be saying to agents is start getting your databases in order. Start making sure that you're capturing information, even basic information about what's the age group of your buyers, what profession are they in, are they buying for investment or owner-occupier, what postcode did they come from and go to, Just those basic things. And I think once you get in the swing or the habit of collecting data, then it's easy to get more. And I know some agents nowadays, when someone comes to an open for inspection, they're saying, do you mind if I get your postcode? And that's a a really good, basic, simple activity that would allow an agent to start tracking where buyers are coming from. So the so what factor then, Ray, is when I'm speaking to my next potential vendor, I can demonstrate that I actually have a better level of knowledge than some of my competitors Because I know that 47% of the new buyers coming to this market are coming from this postcode, which is a new postcode, and I'm going to directly market into that area. So I think data, uh, it was an excellent... So talent, digital marketing, and data, for me, are the three things that I'd be focusing on as an agent in the uh, Australian market.
0: Yeah, the third point, um, uh, completely borne out by the success of, uh, of somebody like Facebook, I guess, who, for the first time, have been able to target... You know, if, uh, if they want to target women between 35 and 45 in a specific suburb who are into cycling, they can. I mean, it's uh, we've never been able to do that before. Phenomenal.
1: So, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, um, phenomenal. And, and, and a lot of those databases, and, and they're going to – and I know there are obviously privacy laws wrapped around it, but there will be some – sort of marketing activities that they will be able to allow and help you and retargeting on Facebook sites. For example, that, that demographic you just talked about, then, Ray, as an yeah. example, if I had a property that suited that market, I can go to Facebook right now today and say, I want to send uh, an ad or put post an ad on the Facebook page of women between 18 and 35 that cycle that live in these 10 postcodes and they can actually start serving me up advertisements that will actually fit that market. So you know, the future's already here, it's just we haven't found out about it fully
0: yeah, I'm surprised more agents aren't uh, aren't doing that. They're still expecting free leads, I guess, from, from Facebook, where uh, they're all they're all geared to paid advertising. Um, let's get into yeah. some of these questions. Uh, David Standen
1: asks, day David.
0: Um, can you ask John who his mentor was when he started in business?"
1: I've had so many Ray, um, Dr. Fred Gross, and and still today Fred is a great friend and a, and a, and in many ways a life coach to me. Yeah. Dr. Fred Gross is a guy that that I that I love dearly and and I've learned so much from. And he would and I know he still does a lot of stuff in Australia and New Zealand. So uh, if you can get along to one of his courses, definitely uh, look look that up. A lot of my other mentors, I guess, Ray, to be quite honest, they've either been kind of people that no one would have heard of, but I I sort of was fortunate enough to come across them in the world of business and they've given me advice, or they're people I've never met before, Steve Jobs is a a great example, where I've read books about them, I've listened to podcasts, I've watched videos, of speeches I've given. Um, So my view is mentors, A, they don't have to be the highest profile people, but if you're fortunate enough to meet some of them, that can also be inspiring. B is, you know, you, you'll be amazed that in your own network already. You've got people who have done phenomenal things. And if you can get a cup of coffee and if you arrive with the right set of questions and the right attitude, they can change your life. And C is, you know, everything, uh, YouTube now, podcasts like this and, and others, they're great sources of information and the majority of them are free or not much. And you just got to get into them. But uh, Dr. Fred Gross probably would have been my major one.
0: Okay. Yeah. What a what a terrific guy. Um. And uh, And lots of history and, and lots of success in uh, in what he does. Um. Spencer Jacob asks: Is there one thing to which you can mostly attribute your success?
1: Good question, Spencer. I wish I could answer one because to make my life easier, I think there's <laughs> probably layers layers of different things. I think uh, energy is important. So I think you've got to have good emotional, physical. Uh, energy, uh, attitude is key. You've always got to look on the, on the on the on the positive side of things because in this industry and in life and in business, there's always going to be tough days and tough months. You have just got to keep seeing beyond that, and you've got to be focused on on the good stuff and what's happening in your life. Um, connecting with people is critical. Uh, we know that it's an obvious statement in this industry, and yet there are still people that, if I said, be honest, on a world class scale, zero to ten, ten being best on planet, where do you rate as a people connector? That is the ability to make people you meet or you come across in business like and trust you and feel comfortable in your presence quickly. I think there's a lot of people that are still fives and sixes in this industry. That is a skill. That's around the way you present yourself, the way you listen, the questions you ask, the focus, ego, baggage, not having ego, not having baggage, all those sort of things impact your ability to make people feel comfortable in your presence. And uh, I I think, you know, I I was fortunate to get that very early. And again, going back to Dr. Fred Gross, who's one of the great connectors, I think I was able to learn from from some very good people about how how to make people feel comfortable. Uh, Presentation and communication is critical. And, you know, fortunate uh, having done, you know, some quite a few speeches over the years and auctions and so forth, I'm, I'm quite... I've developed, I think, an ability to break the complex into simple, and I think I can explain things, whether it's to a small group or one-on-one or a larger group, relatively easy, easily. Um, and I think at the end of the day, Ray, it's just plain old hard work and resilience. I've turned up for 33 years to this industry, passionate about doing it better than I did it yesterday. And when, I, when I've tripped up, which has been multiple, multiple times, um I've got back up again, dusted myself off, and gone again. Uh, I think it's there's, there's no great um, science in that. It's just, you know, old-fashioned.
0: Yeah, well, I, I would agree. I've heard you speak a number of times, and you do make the complex simple, and uh, you make it relatable and uh, and um, and uh, engaging as well, is the word I'm looking for. Um, this next question, I, I'm not going to say his name be, because uh, you'll soon see why. Uh, I'm looking at opening my own agency <laughs> in, in 2017. Um, I'll be, yep. 20, I'll be 26. What advice do you give someone yep. who's going to start his own agency at a young age? Also, I'll be starting from home and eventually opening an office. How would I know when the optimal time is right to do this?
1: Uh, look, never, like most important things in life, whether it's starting a family or getting married or starting a business, I don't think there's ever an optimal time. There's always going to be reasons not to do it. I started my office at 24. Um, as I look back, I'm... I'm glad I started in that naive state of not knowing because if I'd have got a bit older, I probably would have found enough reasons not to start it. So, uh, you know, it was kind of good for me to go in with this kind of sort of uh, enthusiastic naivete. Um, Look, I I think having said that, um, preparation cannot um, be emphasised enough. So even though there'll never be a perfect time, I think you can prepare sufficiently and robustly. What does that mean? Look at the structure of the business. Make sure that you, you get it structured right. Make sure if you're going to bring on a partner, it's the right partner and you've got values alignment and your goals and the way the direction you want to take the business are totally aligned. Um, these these are the sort of things you, you need to be honest about and I would get an external person to give you some honest feedback because there are people out there that think they're ready to open a business that I would probably disagree. There are other people that... Are, are not prepared yet to back themselves and I would probably back them more than they would back themselves. So uh, sometimes it's nice to get some external um, feedback, give yourself some perspective. But I think, you know, whether you're 26 or 56, it doesn't really matter. It's about, you know, if you do the preparation, you're smart about where you select. And obviously, you know, you would want to, uh, you know, some basic things like you've got to make sure that you're not undercapitalised because most small businesses never get to that positive, profitable, cash flow, rich place that we all want to get to, most businesses actually wither on the vine before they get there. So make sure you've got enough money to cover at least six months overheads, preferably 12. So if you didn't make a sale for six months, your overheads are covered because it can take in this industry, you know, six to nine months before you're starting to get into that positive profitable state.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's actually interesting, John. I had that question from six or eight people uh, who who uh, yeah. are all of a similar
1: age. There's a lot of movement in the industry by the sounds.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> middle 20s, I'd say. Um, Steve Webster asks, along a similar line, I guess, if I was starting brand new or wanting to reinvigorate my business, what would be the first discipline uh, you'd suggest I put in place?
1: Yeah, look, I, I try and arrive every day like I've got a start-up and I'm starting from the first, because I think it's that new business energy that really makes a difference. And sometimes... Agents, you know, a new competitor comes in their area and they say, oh, well, you know, they're discounting or whatever. One of the reasons they get a foothold is often because they have new business energy and they're all fired up and, and every listing is gold and counts, whereas other agents become complacent. So the first thing I'd say to Stephen would be start every day as, a, you know, you're ground zero again. It's your first day and, and this is a new business startup. Um, I think review on a regular basis. What are you doing to keep yourself inspired on a daily basis? So I listen to you know, podcasts like yours and, and others. I watch, I, I watch uh, YouTube videos. I'm reading books. I, I'm making sure that every single day I'm pouring whatever I can into my mind for new ideas and new inspiration. So I think it's all around the energy. You know, you can be – I've been in it 33 years, and, and Ray, and, and I feel honestly like I skip to work. I love what I do. I'm blessed to do what I do where I do it. And uh, I, I think that, you know, I don't buy into the whole burnout concept. I think when you stop growing and you haven't reset the bar to higher levels and higher standards for yourself, that's when you can start to get become complacent. Um, so it's all about a mindset of, of freshness and newness.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Ian French asks, what do you consider the most important marketing items in a property campaign? Which one delivers the most buyer interest?
1: Well, I mean, clearly we just spoke about digital and, and I think statistics will tell you that the majority of buyers, if they had to choose one methodology to search for property, will, will call out the, the digital pathway. So that's, that's kind of uh, an obvious one. Having said that, we still have print in the majority of our campaigns because we still think especially, you know, sort of slightly up the food chain in terms of price, we still think it plays a valuable role in, in buyers. The old-fashioned signboard, critical, um, and, I, and I find that we sell, st- even in this you know day, day and age of technology, we still sell a lot of property off signboards. Um, I, I think that, you know, again, it's like, you know, what's the one thing that makes you most successful? It's like, what's the one thing that sells a property?
0: Um, well, I'm back live with John the following day. Uh, good morning, John. How are you?
1: Morning, mate. It's good to be back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that, mate. Just some um, uh, some fairly massive uh, natural weather occurrences here in Canada that uh, that came between us. So, but thank you for letting me. You know, I think it's
1: like life or rain. We're talking to our listeners around, you know, sort of dealing with adversity and dealing with the things that happen. And this is, you know, it's a great metaphor for life. That you get that perfect listing and you think everything's going to be right. And all of a sudden, you know, something happens. So you should sort of deal with these things and keep rolling forward. So uh, everything happens for a reason.
0: Well, I, I was, I've been really looking to this podcast cause we booked it, I think in December sometime. And, uh, yeah. uh I've never had a podcast before where, where it virtually hit the fan. And <laughs> that's what happened here a couple <laughs> of times. And, and we've been coming back and forth about adversity. So, uh, I guess it, I guess it serves me right. Um, let me finish up final question we 've got uh, eric coming up the australian real estate convention in, uh, yeah. in two thousand and sixteen uh, may twenty two twenty three on the gold coast. Can you give us a right. little bit of a sneak preview as to as to what's going on? My my lock, locked on partners and myself are uh, we've just got confirmation uh, from the team that uh, we've got our our double barrel uh, marquee, so we're really excited about that. Looking forward to catching up with all our listeners and best agents members and locked on clients as well. But can you just give us a bit of a sneak preview as to I don't know if it's too early yet to uh, to preview I, I, any I, I names, look, but
1: not at all though. the brochure will be coming out in the next sort of fortnight we okay. normally send out early February but I'd love to give you a, little, a sneak preview which no one no one's heard before because we, we've just finalised literally we've got 32 speakers of which around 28 of them are going to be the best real estate agents in Australia and New Zealand or we think a selection of the best and you know, they'll include you know, some of the, the absolute you know, numbers one, two, and three in the industry. They'll also include people that have just started out and have done phenomenal business. I'm going to give you an example. There's a guy called Brian Whiteman that works up on the central coast of Sydney, just north of Sydney. Brian switched over from being a Suzuki uh, motorbike dealer, he sold his business, he decided to give real estate a try at sort of the, the middle stages of his life. Year one sold 1.6 million dollars worth of uh, GCI. Wow! In his first year in the industry. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of our listeners who are doing really well, but they're going to listen to that and say, "Oh, wow, that's pretty, pretty impressive for someone in their first year." And yeah, you know, how did he do it? Well, you know, we've got 28 people going to tell stories like Brian, and he'll be one of them um, there. So we've got a very strong focus. I've been working closely with Tommy Panos and our team on this. We've got a big focus on takeaways that you know, allow people um, to, to know exactly how the top people are doing. it. So we're focusing on fairly short, sharp, so 20 to 30 minute speeches from real estate experts. We've also got a few, you know, who I guess you'd call highlight or, or high profile speakers. Michael Clark, who's just recently retired as captain of the Australian cricket team and who has got an incredible story and he's also a great passionate property man. Mike over his years, he's bought a few great properties and invested in some great properties. He's going to come and yeah, talk to us about you know some of the things around leadership, preparation, how he used to prepare, getting in there when he was going through a tough period, which we all go through from time to time, and yeah. how he got through that. So, Clarkey, as the Australian captain, is going to be there. and He's going to give the closing speech. So make sure you yeah. have not book your flights early. Um, Frederick Eklund, who's sort of well known and renowned for million dollar listing to those agents in Australia, which is probably all of us that watch that show in New York and uh he's shot through to be a phenomenal success in New York real estate and a great character, uh, very colourful. So he will be, uh, he'll be on day one. Um, as I said, 28 other specialists. There's going to be a few other keynotes in there as well. But, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. So we're looking forward to having your team along there and as many of your listeners who can make it. Uh, it's two days, Sunday, Monday. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The other thing, of course, being on the Gold Coast, right, it's just such a great place. And many, many delegates are now bringing their families. And they're coming up, and they're even tacking a couple of days onto the end of it to kind of have like almost a mid-year little tiny mini break, which gives them time after uh, the event to not just relax, but also to contemplate and think about uh, and reflect on what have they learned over the last two days when they're heading back on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. To, uh, to various ports so uh, yeah it's going to be great and we thank you for your support and we look forward to meeting your listeners there
0: Well it's, it's my pleasure, it's uh, it's uh, far and away the number one uh, real estate event in the country in fact uh, I understand it's one of the top events now in the world, it's a world class event, I support it uh, 200% we can't wait to be there, terrific venue, terrific time of year John uh, and yeah, yeah. A great time to get up there with your families and, and enjoy it, I'm, I'm actually going to include a a link to more information in the show notes with this podcast. So be sure and get across to topagentsplaybook.com and check it out. So um, uh, terrific. Mate, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You're a genuine thought leader uh, in the industry. Uh, people look to you for inspiration and advice. And uh, thanks so much again for your time.
1: Thanks, Ray. i see you in a few months
0: and Bye. Okay, mate. Look forward to it. Bye-bye.
1: You've been listening to the Top Agents Playbook podcast. For show notes from this episode, recent podcasts, and lots more, go to topagentsplaybook.com.